Welcome back to another episode of NPR's award-winning podcast. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we have an exciting and informative episode lined up for you as we dive into the complex topic of onboarding citizens to digital identity systems. That's right. Jen. Digital identity. The technologies have the potential to enhance the quality of life for citizens improve the effectiveness of public services, and increase overall economic competitiveness. But the lack of access to this can limit these benefits and create inequalities among social groups. Absolutely. Tom. Accessible, user-friendly, and efficient onboarding is crucial to ensure equitable access and wide adoption of D-technologies. And that's exactly what we'll be exploring in today's episode. We'll be discussing a research paper titled Onboarding Citizens to Digital Identity Systems by Tassos Piliotopoulos, Al-Tariq Sheikh, Deborah Gotadello, and Robert Dover. The paper proposes the development of physical locations called experience centers, which can be used for citizen onboarding to national D-systems. These experience centers aim to positively shape citizens' first impression with the technology and promote adoption. But designing and implementing such centers require considering various factors, from technical infrastructure and staffing to inclusivity and citizen engagement. Absolutely, Jen. And in this episode, we'll break down these complex topics and explain them in an intuitive way. We'll discuss the technical background of digital identities, policy considerations, and the challenges faced in onboarding citizens to these systems. We'll also delve into the multidisciplinary research approach outlined in the paper. This approach combines policy perspectives, academic disciplines, stakeholder interviews, and threat and risk assessments to develop requirements and recommendations for the design of experience centers. And we'll highlight the importance of inclusion and equity in the onboarding process. Digital identities should be accessible to all citizens, regardless of their background or level of technological skill. We'll explore how experience centers can address these challenges and create a trustable, efficient, and user-friendly onboarding experience. So, whether you're a tech enthusiast, a policy nerd, or just curious about the impact of digital identities on our society. This episode is for you. Stay tuned as we unravel the complexities of onboarding citizens to digital identity systems and explore how experience centers can play a vital role in shaping our digital future. That's right, Jen. So grab your headphones, sit back, And get ready to learn and be entertained as we dive into the world of digital identities and onboarding. Let's get started. Theme music. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're exploring the fascinating topic of onboarding citizens to digital identity systems now. This may sound like a complicated and technical subject. But fear not. We're here to break it down and make it easily understandable for everyone. Absolutely. Tom, let's start from the beginning. 
Digital identity technologies have the potential to improve our lives in numerous ways. They can make accessing public services easier, enhance security, and boost the economy. However, not everyone has access to these digital identities, leading to inequalities among social groups. That's right, Jen. And that's where the process of onboarding comes into play. Onboarding is essentially the process of getting citizens started with digital identity systems. It's about making the technology accessible, user-friendly, and efficient for everyone. Exactly. Tom, in a research paper titled Onboarding Citizens to Digital Identity Systems, the authors propose the development of experience centers. These physical locations are designed to make the onboarding process positive and promote the adoption of digital identities. That's a great point, Jen. Experience centers aim to shape citizens' first impression of the technology and create an environment where they can comfortably interact with it. But creating these centers involves considering various factors, such as the technical infrastructure, staffing, inclusivity, and citizen engagement. And it's important to understand the technical background of digital identity systems at their core. Digital identities are a way to prove something about an entity, object, or person. They allow third parties to verify claims made by the identity holder. Absolutely. Jen, the process of onboarding involves collecting, validating, and verifying an individual's personal identifiable information to establish them within a digital identity system. Once their identity is proven, the system ensures that only authorized users can access services securely. Now, let's talk about the policy background. The UK government, for example, has developed the Digital Identity and Attributes Trust Framework. This framework sets rules and standards for digital identity providers to ensure secure and trustworthy digital identity solutions. That's right, Jen. But it's crucial to consider the socioeconomic, ethical, privacy, and human rights implications of implementing national digital identity systems. The onboarding process must be designed in a way that promotes equitable access for all citizens. And that's where the multidisciplinary research approach outlined in the paper comes in. By combining policy perspectives, academic research, stakeholder interviews, and threat and risk assessments, the authors aim to develop recommendations and requirements for the design of experience centers. And let's not forget about inclusion and equity. Digital identities must be accessible to all citizens regardless of their background or level of technological skill. Experience centers can play a crucial role in addressing these challenges and creating a trustable, efficient, and user-friendly onboarding experience. So, whether you're a tech enthusiast, a policy wonk, or just someone curious about the impact of digital identities on our society, this episode has something for you. Stay with us as we continue to unwrap the complexities of onboarding citizens to digital identity systems. That's right, Jen. We have a lot more to discuss.
So don't go anywhere. Stay tuned for the next segment as we dive deeper into the world of digital identities and experience centers. Music interlude. Welcome back. Everyone. We're continuing our exploration of onboarding citizens to digital identity systems now. Let's dive deeper into the multidisciplinary research approach outlined in the paper. That's right, Tom. The authors propose a holistic approach that combines policy perspectives, academic research, stakeholder interviews, and threat and risk assessments. By integrating various fields of expertise, they aim to develop comprehensive recommendations and requirements for the design of experience. Centers. Absolutely. Jen. To understand the operational environment. The authors conduct a horizon scan that identifies key drivers and trends in the onboarding landscape. They also conduct a literature review and science mapping analysis to understand the current research landscape. But it's not just about research. The authors also value insights from stakeholders and end users. Through semi-structured interviews, they gather perceptions and attitudes towards digital identity systems, helping shape the design of experience centers. And let's not forget about security. In the process of designing experience centers, the authors perform a threat and risk assessment. This evaluation helps identify potential security vulnerabilities and ensure that the onboarding process is robust and reliable. That's absolutely crucial. Tom, we must create a secure environment to build trust in digital identity systems only then can we encourage citizens to adopt these technologies. And it's important to note that this research can have a real impact on policy making, regulation, and best practices for digital identity systems by developing recommendations and requirements for the design of experience centers. The authors are contributing to shaping our digital future. That's a great point, Tom. And this is just the beginning. The concept of experience centers holds immense potential, especially when it comes to inclusion and equity. You're absolutely right, Jen. When designing experience centers, it's essential to consider the needs of all citizens. Digital identities should be accessible to everyone, regardless of their background or level of technological skill. And that's precisely what experience centers aim to do. By providing a user-friendly and inclusive environment, they help bridge the gap between citizens and digital identity systems. Well said, Jen. And that wraps up another insightful segment of our exploration of onboarding citizens to digital. Identity systems stay with us for the final segment as we sum up our discussion and leave you with some key takeaways. Music interlude. Welcome back, everyone. We've reached the final segment of today's episode on onboarding citizens to digital identity systems. That's right, Tom. We've discussed the importance of accessible, user-friendly, and efficient onboarding processes. We explored the concept of experience centers as physical locations that positively shape citizens. First impression with digital identity systems. 
and we've broken down the complex topics to make them easily understandable for everyone. From the technical background of digital identities to the policy considerations and challenges faced in onboarding citizens. We also delved into the multidisciplinary research approach outlined in the Onboarding Citizens to Digital Identity Systems paper. By combining policy perspectives, academic research, stakeholder interviews, and threat and risk assessments, the authors aim to develop recommendations and requirements for the design of experience centers. And we highlighted the importance of inclusion and equity in the onboarding process. Digital identities should be accessible to all citizens, regardless of their background or level of technological skill. Experience centers play a crucial role in addressing these challenges and creating a trustable, efficient, and user-friendly onboarding experience. Absolutely. Tom. Digital identity systems have the potential to improve our lives, but only if everyone has equal access to them. That's why the concept of experience centers is so important. And with that, it's time to wrap up today's episode. We hope you've learned something new and found our discussion insightful. Thanks for joining us today. We look forward to exploring more complex topics in an intuitive way on our next episode. Until then, stay curious and keep learning. That's right. See you next time. Outro music. Are you tired of the same old boring drinks? Do you want a beverage that will transport you to a magical land of rainbows and unicorns? Then look no further than Fizzy Unicorn Sparkle Co. Our special blend of unicorn tears and fairy dust will make every sip a magical experience. And for a limited time, our bottles come with a free unicorn horn straw. That's right. You can seep on the elixir of unicorns while feeling like one too. Fizzy Unicorn Sparkle Co. is not responsible for any sudden bursts of glitter or rainbow burps. But who are we kidding? That just makes it more fun. So grab a bottle today and let the magic flow. This podcast brought to you by Fizzy Unicorn Sparkle Co. Sponsored by all things weird and wonderful. Jingle. Outro music. Speaks over music. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Tech Talk with Tom and Jen. The NPR podcast where we dive deep into the world of technology and break down complex topics in an intuitive and entertaining way. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm your co-host, Jen. Today, we have an exciting topic to explore. AI-enhanced shared control for an assistive robotic arm. We'll be discussing a recent paper titled Exploring AI-enhanced shared control for an assistive robotic arm. This paper delves into the potential of AI to revolutionize assistive technologies and enable a higher level of personal autonomy for individuals with motor impairments. That's right. Jen. Assistive robotic arms have the power to transform the lives of individuals with motor impairments, giving them the ability to perform a wide range of tasks and live a self-determined life. However, 
Traditional control methods for these robotic arms can be complex and overwhelming for users. Absolutely. Tom. And that's where AI enhanced shared control comes in. This paper explores how artificial intelligence can be integrated into the control paradigm of assistive robotic arms. The goal is to find the optimal balance between human control and autonomous robot actions. Reducing the mental load and required motor skills for users. In their research, the authors addressed three main challenges. AI legibility, AI user control, and AI intervention. AI legibility refers to the need for users to understand and predict how the AI will change input. Mappings and robot movements. The authors propose using augmented reality and vibrotactile feedback to enhance the legibility of the AI's actions. That's fascinating. Tom, AI user control is another critical aspect explored in this paper. While the AI can automate mode switches, it's essential for users to stay in the loop and have a final say in the choices made by the AI. The authors propose different ways for users to request new mappings and provide continuous or threshold-based feedback to enhance user control. And finally, AI intervention is crucial to address any mistakes made by the AI. The authors investigate approaches that allow users to disable the AI and revert to manual mode. Switching if needed. They also explore the possibility of triggering a new AI mapping by changing the perspective of the robotic arm. This paper takes an engineering approach, utilizing a testbed environment that combines an Unreal Engine simulation and a physical robotic arm. This environment enables the integration of different control mechanisms and user interface components. Facilitating the exploration of AI-enhanced shared control methods. It's clear that this research has the potential to make a significant impact on the field of assistive robotics. By leveraging the power of AI, individuals with motor impairments can maintain control while benefiting from the efficiency and assistance provided by the robotic arm. Absolutely. Tom. This paper demonstrates the importance of thoughtful interaction design and the need to address the challenges of AI legibility, user control, and intervention. It's an exciting step towards a future where assistive technologies are seamlessly integrated into people's lives. Well, that's all the time we have for today's episode. We hope you found this discussion on AI-enhanced shared control for an assistive robotic arm. Informative and thought-provoking. As always, thanks for tuning into Tech Talk with Tom and Jen. Stay curious. Stay tech savvy. And we'll catch you next time. Bye for now. Jingle. Outro music fades out. It's time to get your birds dressed for every occasion, not just for flying around your house naked. Introducing Sockatoos, the world's first sock company just for pet birds. Made with bird-friendly materials and designs. Sockatoos are perfect for every bird fashionista out there. And at Sockatoos, we believe that every bird deserves a stylish pair of socks on their talons.
So don't let your bird go barefoot. Get them a pair of sockatoos today. This podcast is brought to you by Sockatoos, the socks for fashionable fowl. Sponsored by the coolest sock company for pet birds everywhere. Welcome back to another episode of Mind Matters, the podcast where we explore the fascinating world of cognitive science and neurology. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Jen, your co-host today. We have a captivating topic that delves into the intersection of virtual reality and our cognitive abilities. We'll be discussing a groundbreaking paper titled Virtual Reality Sickness Reduces Attention During Immersive Experiences. Absolutely. Jen, virtual reality has become more and more popular in recent years. But have you ever wondered how it affects our brains and cognitive functions? This paper sheds light on VR-induced sickness and its impact on attention. That's right. Tom, the authors of this paper, Catherine J. Mimnow and her team, conducted a study to investigate how VR sickness affects attention using electroencephalography, EEG, which measures brain activity. Ah, yes. They measured a specific component of EEG called the P3B event-related potential, ERP. The P3B has been associated with attention and cognitive processing. So it's an excellent marker to investigate the effects of VR sickness on our ability to pay attention during immersive experiences. Exactly. The researchers took participants on a virtual tour through a museum while also asking them to silently count tones of a different frequency. They compared the attention and task performance of participants experiencing different levels of VR sickness. And the findings were quite fascinating. The study showed that VR sickness was associated with a reduction in attention as indicated by a decrease in the P3B amplitude while participants experienced VR sickness symptoms, such as nausea, eye strain, and fatigue. It's intriguing to think about how these symptoms can impact our ability to interact and engage with VR content effectively. Not only does it diminish the overall experience, but it also hampers our performance on tasks completed in the virtual environment. Absolutely. Jen. And what's even more intriguing is that these attentional changes were tracked in real-time using apps. Without relying solely on self-reported sickness symptoms this opens up new possibilities for studying and understanding the cognitive effects of VR sickness. Yes. Tom. And as we dive deeper into this paper. We'll discuss the various factors that contribute to VR sickness, the complex nature of attention, and the potential implications for using virtual reality in training, therapy, and education. It's going to be a fascinating and informative episode, Jen. So, stay tuned as we unravel the mysteries of virtual reality sickness and its impact on attention during immersive experiences. Don't forget to check out the show notes for a link to the full paper if you want to explore this topic further. And as always, thanks for tuning in to Mind Matters. Let's get started. 
Theme music fades in. Welcome back to another episode of Mind Matters. Today, we're exploring the captivating topic of virtual reality sickness and its effects on attention. During immersive experiences, I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Jen. Your co-host virtual reality is becoming increasingly popular. But did you know that it can sometimes make people feel sick? This paper investigates how VR sickness affects our attention and cognitive abilities. Absolutely. Jen, the study used electroencephalography or EEG to measure brain activity and specifically focused on a component called the P3B event-related potential or ERP. This component is associated with attention and cognitive processing and can give us insights into how VR sickness impacts our ability to pay attention during immersive experiences. That's right, Tom. The researchers took participants on a virtual tour through a museum while also asking them to silently count tones of a different frequency. By comparing the attention and task performance of participants experiencing different levels of VR sickness, they were able to see how VR sickness affects our ability to focus. And the findings were fascinating. The study showed that as VR sickness symptoms increased, attention decreased. They found a decrease in the P3B amplitude, indicating a reduced ability to pay attention. In participants experiencing symptoms such as nausea, eye strain, and fatigue, it's amazing to think about how these symptoms can affect our overall experience and task. Performance in virtual reality. It's important for developers and researchers to understand the impact of VR sickness on attention so they can create more user-friendly and effective virtual reality experiences. Absolutely, Jen. And what's even more interesting is that the researchers were able to measure these attentional changes in real-time using apps. This allows for a more objective and accurate assessment of the effects of VR sickness on attention, rather than relying solely on self-reported symptoms. This study opens up new possibilities for studying and understanding the cognitive effects of VR sickness. It also highlights the need for further research and development in this field, especially as virtual reality becomes more prevalent in training, therapy, and education. Absolutely. Jen, it's important for users and developers alike to be aware of the potential cognitive impacts of VR sickness. By understanding how VR sickness affects attention, we can work towards creating more comfortable and immersive virtual reality experiences. That's right, Tom. And as always, we encourage our listeners to explore the show notes for a link to the full paper. It's a fascinating read that dives even deeper into the topic. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Mind Matters. Until next time, theme music fades out. Have you ever looked up to the sky and thought, I wish my dog could fly a car up there? Well, now your wildest dream has come true, with 2Fly2Care. That's right, 2Fly2Care specializes in making flying cars for your pets. 
It's like a birdhouse, but for your pet, and it flies. And you don't even need to train your pet to fly it. It's all automated and easy to use. Plus, our flying cars come with built-in poop scoops. So, no mess for you to clean up. This podcast is brought to you by 2Fly2Care. Because why walk your dog when you can fly them instead? Sponsored by 2Fly2Care. Because who said pigs can't fly? With 2Fly2Care, they can. Welcome back to Let's Dive In. I'm Tom. And joining me today is the brilliant Jen. How are you, Jen? I'm doing great, Tom. Excited for another deep dive into some fascinating research. Absolutely. And today, we have an intriguing topic to explore, extending Cobot's motion intention visualization by haptic feedback. Now, I know that might sound a bit complex. But don't worry. We're here to break it down for you. That's right, Tom. So, let's start by establishing what exactly we mean by cobots. They are collaborative robots designed to work closely with humans. Often in industries like manufacturing or healthcare. Exactly. And while cobots are incredibly useful, it can sometimes be challenging for human collaborators to understand and predict their behavior. That's where motion intention visualization comes in. Motion intention visualization is the process of conveying the intended actions or movements of a cobot to the human collaborator. It's all about making sure everyone is on the same page and working together smoothly. Right. And in this paper, the researchers propose using haptic feedback to enhance the visualization of a cobot's motion. Intention. Haptic feedback refers to touch or tactile sensations. That's correct. By integrating haptic feedback, the cobot can communicate its planned motions to the human collaborator through different touch sensations. This is incredibly useful as visual and audio modalities can sometimes be occupied by other stimuli. By adding haptic feedback, the cobot's intention can be conveyed more effectively. Absolutely. Tom. And by mapping the planned motions of the cobot to specific haptic patterns, human collaborators can better understand the intended path of the cobot. This reduces the risk of errors or potential harm. It's amazing how technology can be used to bridge the communication gap between humans and machines. This innovation not only increases trust but also contributes to wider end user acceptance of Cobots. Definitely. Tom. And in this episode, we'll explore the various visualization techniques and haptic feedback methods proposed by the authors of this paper. This will help us understand how cobots can better communicate their motion intentions to human collaborators. So, get ready for an engaging discussion on how haptic feedback can revolutionize human robot collaboration. We'll break down complex concepts into easily understandable information. That's right, Tom. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and let's dive into the world of extending Cobot's motion intention visualization by haptic feedback. Podcast transition music. Hey there. 
podcast listeners welcome back to our npr podcast i'm tom and joining me as always is the brilliant jen thanks tom it's great to be back today we have a fascinating topic to dive into we'll be exploring the world of extending cobots motion intention visualization by haptic feedback yes indeed collaborative robots or cobots are becoming more prevalent in various industries working closely with humans but understanding and predicting their behavior can still be a challenge absolutely tom cobots perform actions autonomously and it's crucial for human collaborators to comprehend their motion intention that's where this research comes in suggesting that haptic feedback can enhance the visual intention feedback of cobots The authors of this paper propose mapping planned motions of cobots to different haptic patterns. By doing so, they aim to provide human collaborators with a better understanding of the cobots intended path. This can help avoid errors and potential risks. And what's interesting is that they address the limitations of visual and audio modalities, which can be occupied by other information sources. Haptic feedback offers a new avenue for transmitting crucial information about cobot intentions. It's incredible to see how technology can be used to bridge the communication gap between humans and machines. This kind of innovation not only increases trust but also contributes to wider end-user acceptance of cobots. Absolutely. Tom, and in this episode We'll dive further into the details of this research, exploring the various visualization techniques and haptic feedback methods proposed by the authors. So stay tuned as we break down complex concepts into an engaging discussion that will leave you with a better understanding of how haptic feedback can revolutionize the way humans and cobots collaborate. That's right, Tom. So grab a cup of coffee. Sit back and let's dive into the world of extending cobots motion intention visualization by haptic feedback podcast transition music welcome back we hope you enjoyed that brief musical interlude now let's continue our discussion on extending cobots motion intention visualization by haptic feedback that's right tom So let's dive deeper into the different visualization techniques proposed by the researchers in this paper. One technique they explore is trajectory visualization. This involves projecting the cobot's intended path onto a surface or using augmented reality to display the motion path. Right. Tom, this visual representation helps human collaborators have a better understanding of where the cobot will be moving but what if the human collaborator is visually occupied like when working with intricate machinery or in a low visibility environment that's where haptic feedback comes in the researchers propose using touch based sensations to convey the cobot's motion intention by feeling specific haptic patterns the human collaborator can understand the intended motion without relying solely on visual cues Exactly. Tom, haptic feedback offers a more immersive and intuitive way to interpret the cobot's intentions. 
It enables human collaborators to receive crucial information about the planned motions directly through touch. And the researchers explore various haptic feedback methods, such as vibrating patterns on a tactile display or using force feedback actuators. These methods provide different levels of precision and can be tailored to the specific needs of human collaborators. It's amazing to think about how integrating haptic feedback into the collaboration between humans and cobots can greatly enhance safety and efficiency by improving the communication of motion intentions. We can expect to see more productive and smoother collaborations in the future. Absolutely. Jen, this research opens up a new avenue for human-robot collaboration. It shows us the potential for improving cobots' understanding and prediction, ultimately building trust and acceptance among human collaborators. Well, that concludes our discussion on extending cobots' motion intention visualization by haptic feedback. We hope you found this topic as fascinating as we did. Absolutely. Jen. Join us next time as we continue diving into exciting research and cutting-edge technologies. Until then, keep exploring and learning. Outro music plays. This podcast brought to you by Silly Socks Inc. The company that knows life is too short for boring socks. Are you tired of generic socks that make you blend in with the crowd? Switch to Silly Socks Inc. and stand out. We've got socks with pizza, unicorns, and everything in between. Sponsored by the company that firmly believes your feet deserve to have a little fun too. So kick off those dull socks and step into something silly with Silly Socks Inc. Welcome back to another episode of our award-winning NPR podcast. I'm Tom. And I'm Jen. Today, we have a fascinating topic to delve into, a data set of coordinated cryptocurrency-related social media campaigns. The paper we will be discussing is titled, A Data Set of Coordinated Cryptocurrency-Related Social Media Campaigns by Carolis Silius. Tazos Spiliotopoulos, and Odd Van Morsel from Newcastle University and the University of Birmingham in the UK. That's right. Jen, the rise of crypto assets has attracted a large number of new and inexperienced investors to the cryptocurrency space. These investors often rely on the information they receive online, especially from social media which can disproportionately influence their investment decisions. Absolutely. Tom, this paper presents a dataset of crypto-related bounty events and the users that participate in them. These events coordinate social media campaigns to create artificial hype around a cryptocurrency project, with the goal of influencing the price of its token. The dataset consists of a wealth of information including 15.8k cross-media bounty events, 185k participants, 10m forum comments, and a staggering 82m social media URLs. The data was collected from the bounties, altcoins, 
Subforum of the Bitcoin Talk online forum over a period of several years. That's a massive amount of data. Tom, the authors describe the methods they employed to collect and process this data, providing valuable insights into the cryptocurrency industry and its interactions with its audience. Exactly. Jen, the dataset opens up numerous research opportunities across a range of disciplines. It can provide researchers with novel insights into how the cryptocurrency industry operates, as well as how it manipulates social media to influence investor behavior. And that's not all. Tom, the paper also discusses the ethical and legal implications of these coordinated social media campaigns. It highlights the potential harm they can cause to investors who may be swayed by artificial hype as well as the violation of platform policies and regulatory guidelines. It's clear that this dataset of coordinated cryptocurrency-related social media campaigns has significant implications for understanding the impact of social media on the cryptocurrency market. It provides a valuable resource for researchers and policymakers to better comprehend the dynamics of this rapidly evolving industry. Absolutely. Tom, we have just scratched the surface of this fascinating paper. So stay tuned as we dive deeper into the details and implications of this dataset. That's right. Jen. So grab your headphones and join us for this informative and entertaining episode about coordinated cryptocurrency-related social media campaigns. You won't want to miss it. Let's get started. Good morning, listeners. Are you tired of dragging yourself out of bed every morning? Do you wish you had more energy to power through your day? Well, have no fear. Caffeine Crunch is here. That's right. This podcast is sponsored by Caffeine Crunch, the breakfast cereal that will put some pep in your step. Each bowl contains enough caffeine to jumpstart a Tesla. And with flavors like espresso explosion and cinnamon shock, your taste buds will be awake too. So ditch your boring old cereal and try Caffeine Crunch today. Because who needs sleep when you have caffeine? Caffeine Crunch, the breakfast of champions and insomniacs. This podcast brought to you by Caffeine Crunch, the perfect way to start your day with a jolt. (laughs) 